Hello, this is Dan Del Monte again with CultureCast. Today I want to continue with my discussion of Roberto De Matei. De Matei is reacting to the re- recent events involving the coronavirus, which is spreading around the world and causing great havoc, uh, infecting tens of thousands of people and overwhelming the country's medical systems. Uh, Europe is now the epicenter. Uh, Europe, uh, especially Italy, uh, Spain, France, the UK, they are now experiencing uh, high levels of infection and people in the hospitals needing critical care, and mainly older people and people with underlying conditions uh, dying. Damite is looking at this crisis in a broader context that is both political, social, and historical. I discussed last episode how Damite sees this coronavirus as having profound geopolitical significance. We're confronting a, a, a confrontation between forces that would seek to globalize the world through, the, through trade, uh, increased trade between countries, and forces that would seek to enhance the nation state and emphasize individual sovereignty of the nation and inter, in, independence of the nation. People like George Soros and his Open, Open Society, which is located in Manhattan and funds a number of left-wing organizations throughout the world, seek a world without, without borders, a Europe that takes in more refugees, and the United States that accepts an open border, letting in hundreds of, th- hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants every month. Today, I want to go into more detail about this uh, talk that Demite gave, in which he considers the coronavirus from three different angles, a political one, social one, and one from the philosophy of history. The last one is the most intriguing to me. He's going to look at the coronavirus from, from a bird's eye view. The philosophy of history inquires into the judgments of God. The judgments of God are like an abyss. They're, hard, they're very hard, if not impossible to understand. But many thinkers have taken this eagle's eye point of view to see the course of events and try to find it some kind of significance. What is the significance of the course and flow of historical events? Where is it heading? What is the pattern? Where is God weaving the pattern together? Demite is ultimately optimistic. He thinks the coronavirus will not enhance globalism, but will actually destroy it. A world without borders and with a single uh, global government will not happen, even though the so-called masters of chaos, the ultra-wealthy and powerful globalists who are seeking to reshape the world order into a more interconnected world without a nation state will not succeed. There may be massive panic and riots because of the coronavirus. There might be shortages, people out of work, people who are feeling a sense of uh, lack of restraint because things have kind of died down and things are in this weird state where a criminal can feel emboldened. Uh, Police are not doing as much law enforcement work. 
people are in a state of panic. They're buying huge amounts of toilet paper. It's not necessary. People are not thinking logically. And in these conditions, there can be riots. Dave Mate is going to talk about what happens in a crowd when one person or a group of people start behaving a certain way, even the most level-headed individual can feel justified in following along. We feel a sense of justification from observing other people and they can give us cover for behavior we would never do as an individual. Dimitri though was ultimately optimistic. He thinks that the world without borders dreamed of by the globalists like Soros will never occur. Because of the coronavirus, people are going to turn inwards. They're going to strengthen their nation, rebuild them so they can produce vital supplies within the borders of their nation. They will strengthen their borders and close the loopholes of immigration and uh, back and forth trade between nations, which promote the risk of disease and make us vulnerable to hostile actors, such as the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, a small group of Chinese citizens who have banded together and who practice extreme forms of authoritarianism over the, bil- bil- the massive population in the billions of the country of China most of whom are not members of the CCP. The globalists will fail because people will realize because of the coronavirus that the law of interconnection, which is emphasized by Pope Francis in his desire to make compromises with other religions, is being repudiated by the quarantine, which is a stance of isolation a stance of pulling inwards. We no longer trust these globalized channels that see the mass movement of people and the mingling of different countries and massive interconnected and globalized trade. Demetri compares what is happening now here in the 20th, 21st century, 2020, with the chaotic 14th century, which marked the transition from the medieval world to the modern world. The 14th century was a time of great religious strife. The unity of Catholic Europe was first challenged. The papacy experienced a schism and had to move to Avignon, France, after having been in Rome. Multiple popes were created as division in the church tore it apart. And soon thereafter, the Protestant Reformation lacerated the church, creating innumerable sects that were no longer in communion with the Roman Catholic Church. The 14th century was a time of famine, plagues, and war. These have been interpreted by the saints as signs of God's chastisement, ways that God has of punishing people. Are they purely natural phenomenon or are they signs from God? That is the question of the philosopher of history. Going back to the first episode in this podcast, 
Darwinian materialism. We no longer see the events in the world as acts of God. They're purely accidental events. And we could try to take comfort in the idea that this coronavirus is a purely natural phenomenon coming from perhaps bats. However, it's possible that there is a God working behind the scenes, as it were, manipulating the laws and the structure of the universe so that he can create a war or a plague or a famine if he so chooses as a sign to humanity to repent or as a punishment for sin. Demetay says that the wisdom of the church has said that natural disasters are meant as punishments for the infidelities and the apostasies of nations. Is it possible that the coronavirus is a sign of chastisement from God? Or is it the result itself of human sin? Why did the WHO criticize President Trump for banning travel from China early on when they in China were experiencing a massive quarantine of a gigantic city of Wuhan of 14 million people? Did the WHO drop the ball? Was it incompetent in not declaring this problem of a pandemic when it had already met the criteria for such a phenomenon. There's a question of human error here. There's also a question of a theological significance. Was this, this is certainly permitted by God. Uh, God has the power to stop it, but he's permitting it. What's the reason behind this permissive will of God? God can choose to do things. He can actively will them. He can also permit them. He has the power to stop things. Why doesn't he stop them? His judgments are an abyss. If you read the book of Job, you understand that questioning God may not lead to clear answers. God thunders down at Job who is complaining about his severe afflictions. I am the one who created the world. I put together the fabric of the universe. You do not understand the sophistication of what I'm trying to do. We as human beings are finite and limited. We cannot understand the massive, grandiose scheme of the entire universe. We have to quietly accept the suffering that we get knowing that it's always temporary. The sins of men are worse, according to Dame Matei, and merit greater chastisement if they are, number one, collective. If there's a society in general that permits and promotes a certain kind of sin, not just an individual here and there doing something bad, but a whole cultural mindset that promotes and drives more and more sin. We could look at today, for instance, the widespread use of pornography. 
it's we take cues from other people. And if other people are doing something and think it's okay, we think it's okay. We get permission from other people. There are societies that promote sin. And the collective sins are more severe, according to Demete, and they're even worse if the elites and the leaders in society, even rulers of the church, permit and allow a certain kind of sin to flourish. Matei rejects the idea of deism. Deism is the idea that God created the world, but then let it continue on in its own patterns. He can't intervene in the world. If you're a deist, you think that God simply created the world, and then the world goes on according to its own natural processes, its own internal processes. Again, this is the idea of theistic evolution, which I brought up in the first podcast. Theistic evolution is the idea that God created the universe, but humanity was created through a blind process of evolution that God put in place, but he did not direct it. He let it unfold according to its own natural processes. Matei rejects deism. He is a thinker who believes that these plagues and disasters are chastisements from God. God intervenes in history. He is not passive. He is not a deistic God who makes the watch, but then lets the watch go according to its own internal logic. Matei thinks that God actually can punish an entire nation. God does not punish merely individuals, but he can punish a nation. Nations must be punished on earth. They cannot, be, they cannot go to heaven. An entire nation is an abstraction. It's not an individual that can go to heaven. So therefore, earth is the only place where the, 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 the sins of a nation can be addressed. Matei thinks that families, cities, and nations, in other words, groups of people, can be chastised by God. Does that mean that there are innocent people in those groups that have to suffer? So if like the, you know, the, most, mo- the majority of people are committing sins, would God punish an entire city if there are certain groups of people in that city who, who have managed to abstain from that sin? Okay, so it's an interesting question. It doesn't seem fair that God would punish a whole city if there are groups of people in that city who are innocent. Of course, many people might reject Demetae's thinking and adopt instead a materialist mindset, where the virus is simply a pathogen, generated perhaps by human incompetence, but there's no divine agency involved. This is a materialist worldview that many people hold but it's fully available to adopt a theistic worldview and see God as having control over history and either willing this pandemic or permitting it as a chastisement. 
that helps to advance and to warn human beings. Demetri thinks that God can arrange the mechanisms and forces of the laws of nature. God sets up nature. He is the ground of the laws, physical laws that we can discover. Okay, the laws of nature are intelligible. We can understand them with our minds, which suggests that they were created by a mind. If there were no mind creating the world, perhaps the world would be merely random. There would be irregularities. One day, the sun comes up, the next day it doesn't. Instead, there is a regularity, there's a lawfulness. This suggests an intelligence behind it. God, who created the world, who pre-exists the world, has the ability to structure the laws that govern the regularity of the world. And these laws encompass the current coronavirus. What does it mean in terms of the will of God? What is God trying to say? De Matei, a devout Catholic, would ask that question, and any curious human being should ask that question. It's just so very interesting. Of course, you could reject it and adopt materialism, but there's a spiritual dimension that many people seek to explore. Have the collective sins of the church leaders brought down this coronavirus? God seeks to protect his church. It's the vessel through which he communicates to the world. This is how Demite thinks. But if the church and its leadership suffer a distortion, how can God bring it back? Is Demite talking about the pedophilia scandal? I don't think so, because that's still as much as as much media attention has gotten a minority of priests. The vast majority of priests do not practice pedophilia. I think Demite is thinking of the religious relativism that he worries about in Pope Francis. There's a lack of moral clarity, one might say, in the papacy of Francis. Okay? In the way he reaches out, for instance, to Muslim leaders, there's a notorious comment he made in which he said, or at least intimated, that God wills religious diversity. That is, the different religions we see are actually willed by God. A traditional Catholic like De Matei would view this comment as false. The, tr the true faith is the Catholic faith. Jesus Christ said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said that he is a son of God. How can this be true along with Islam, which denies that Jesus is the son of God, they recognize him merely as a prophet. 
and who adds to the prophetic revelation someone like Muhammad, whom the Catholic Church does not revere as any kind of saint or vehicle of revelation. Is the Church currently compromising the truths as received from God? And is this why the coronavirus is spreading throughout the world? Pope Francis has also drawn criticism for his approach to the Communist Party. There have been reports of him telling Chinese citizens to be not only good Catholics, but good citizens as well. This means accepting the so-called patriotic Chinese Catholic Church, of which the bishops are appointed not by the Pope, but by the CCP. The CCP, like any Marxist regime, seeks to remove religion. It holds itself up as the absolute authority and sees religion as a threat. If I obey God first, then I don't obey the state. Nevertheless, Francis encourages Chinese Catholics to be good citizens, which means to accept the authoritarian whims of the Chinese Communist Party. Is the coronavirus God's way of getting the church back on track? De Matei at least floats the theory. We're living in a very strange time in which masses are suspended. Because of this desire to stop the spread of the disease, this policy of social distancing, which has been taken up by many Western countries, it makes a lot of sense. If we're not together, the virus has nowhere to go. The spread will be reduced if not stopped. And the hospitals will be able to manage the people who do have to come in for intensive care. But there is something very eerie to see that there are no church services being offered. The church is a vital part of American society. People go there for spiritual guidance for moral instruction, for community, to perform good works in their neighborhood. They are now closed. Is this a process whereby the church will be healed? The problem with the coronavirus is not its severity. It does strike certain people very hard including some young people who are also healthy. There was a soccer coach in Spain, a young guy in perfect health who died because of the coronavirus. For the most part though, it's older people who are affected by this virus. The young either experience no symptoms at all or only very mild symptoms. The vast majority of people recover and the vast majority of people are in fact are in, in fact pretty good shape with respect to this virus. So do we need to talk about this in apocalyptic terms? We'll see. We're still in the early, early stages of this. We're not out of a tunnel yet. I think this is a, this is a time of realignment. I think Matei is onto something. There's something brewing. 
And who knows what the other side of this will look like. Surely we will never be the same. But the problem with the virus is not its severity, but the rapidity with which it, with which it, with which it can spread. Uh, it can spread through saliva. Uh, someone can be talking and you can breathe in their saliva and get the virus in that manner. It can spread through surfaces. It stays alive on surfaces for a long time. It spreads very rapidly. And what happens is that the medical system, given the rapidity of cases, there's this exponential growth of the virus. Uh, you know, one person will infect two people. These two people will infect four people. Four people will infect 16 people. It just, it's, it's, it's exponential growth. Okay. Um, what happens is that the medical system will be overwhelmed. So you're seeing in Italy, they're turning away older people to have them go to die. Um, they have a public health system uh, run by the government. And it's literally becoming a death panel where the government distributes um, the money and resources that are needed to provide the care. And they are determining that they're going to prioritize the young, try to save the younger people. There are also economic consequences for obvious reasons. Now we have people kind of bloviating and perhaps over-dramatizing these economic uh, realities. The fact is that the economy has slowed down uh, for obvious reasons. Places are closed down. People are staying inside. There have been orders by these governors and recommendations from the, the president to just hunker down. Um, the economy can't function. People have canceled their plans. Conferences have been canceled. Cruises have been canceled. Travel is down. But we're going to beat the virus. And at some point, people are going to come out of their homes and go back to work. The economy will bounce back. Nevertheless, there are people who are concerned. Dimitri says that uh, Keynesian responses. So what happens is that there are people who are out of work. They're living paycheck to paycheck and they're losing paychecks because they work by the hour and they aren't getting paid. What happens to those people? Do they have some kind of stockpile they can rely upon? Okay, do they have some kind of uh, food stamps that they can, they can apply for? Some kind of um, unemployment insurance? But there's a typical Keynesian response. A Keynesian response is someone you know, is a response that involves um, creating jobs and artificial demand with public money. That means just basically the government pumps money into the economy. It creates jobs because you know all this money is available and, and we can hire somebody, and it creates artificial demand where there's, there's no real demand because no one's really doing anything. They're not going out. They're not buying tickets to events. But they there's this public money that creates this artificial demand and it can boost the economy. But Demetay says that this is not really something that can be sustained. Um, the economy is basically shut down. No one is doing anything. Uh, no one's going to the theater. No one's going uh, traveling. No one's going on vacation. No one is... Um, going to the bar, it's 
it's the Keynesian solutions can't ameliorate that. Now, I don't know if I really agree with them. I don't live in Italy. I live in the U.S. And, uh, you know, there are people who are going to miss a paycheck, but we have the ability to hold them over for a few months and even if not longer. And, uh, you know, things will return to normal and they'll be back working. So, and the economy will will pick up. Uh, Also, you know, the Keynesian solutions are, are, you know, necessary. We need to make sure people aren't dying of hunger. Okay, but are there also uh, free market solutions? Uh, People turn to government and say, you know, save me, Uh, you know, do something to fix this. But perhaps we could get government out of the way. Uh, We need to be thinking in those terms too. Okay, we're thinking in terms of slashing red tape, slashing taxation, uh, giving a tax break of 10 years. Let's say no federal taxes, uh, no federal corporate taxes to a corporation that develops a cure or treatment for the coronavirus. Uh, how about we make it easier for people to hire? Um, you know, slash regulations on um, hiring people so that there are certain in-demand industries, uh, like, for instance, um, truckers, toilet paper, masks. Uh, we need people in hospitals. You know, let them hire more people. Grocery stores. Make them go round the clock. Uh, you know, slash red tape. Get the government out of the way. That's why we had this testing crisis in the United States. Tests were not available because uh, there were bureaucratic rules. So you had to go through a bureaucratic process to get the test. We slashed that red tape, turned it over to the private sector, and they have produced them at tremendous rates. Okay, so let's not always think about Keynesian solutions where we have like a big taxpayer-funded stimulus bill. That's part of it. But let's think of free market solutions, Um, slashing taxation, slashing regulations on companies that bring back their jobs to this country. Incentivizing people to because it's the private sector that is powerful. That's going to come up with the cure. That's going to find the therapy. Government is not going to mandate this. Government can aid and uh, expedite these processes, but the private sector is going to come through, and it is coming through, as we're seeing with um, the provision of masks, Um, people producing masks that um, were typically used for construction and now are being given to medical professionals. We're going to have enough masks um, because of the private sector. All right, so um, Demetrius is thinking in terms of Keynesian recipes for um, this crisis, but let's think about free market solutions too. Okay, so in the next podcast, I'm going to continue with this fascinating um, analysis. 
I'm going to begin next podcast with this discussion of what Saudi Arabia just did. So to add insult to injury, uh, Saudi Arabia is overproducing oil. And overproduction will lead to a drop in prices. A drop in prices will mean that certain other companies in other countries, like Russia or the U.S., won't be able to, to sell their oil. Okay, this is adding to this period of intense change of economic quandaries. Uh, but again, I don't. There are people who are just bloviating right now that their their hair's on fire. Look, we let's let's say we have a six week um, slowdown because of a quarantine. And at some point, we're going to go. Back, we're going to go back to work, okay? And the virus may still be out there, but we're going to deal with it, and just kind of, you know, if you get sick, you get sick. But we'll have a therapy, or um, you know, it'll have um, reached its its peak. You know, this is not permanent, okay? So. This idea that we need to be out here bloviating about every single day, every single drop in the market. Uh, Trump gave a speech, and you know, there's a drop in the market. Uh, let's let's cool it, take a long view, and um, you know, things are gonna are gonna get back to normal. Okay, this is it's like it's like. <laughs> Uh, the the breadwinner of the family gets sick, and everyone's freaking out and watching every single day. Oh look, we lost money here. We lost money here. We w- most of us have a bridge to get through a six week dry spell, and it's going to get back on track. So people who are uh, laid off by hotels take a little vacation. Uh, take advantage of the money that is being provided to you, uh, people are going to help out. Okay? And lie low and have faith. All right? But there is a fascinating series of, of events going on, and the next issue I want to talk about is this, what the Saudi Arabia is doing, okay? And the economic realities that we're going to face because there will be a recession. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a slowdown in, in growth. Uh, there's going to be going to be negative growth. Um, Demite is going to compare this to uh, previous centuries. We're going to get a historical perspective and finally a God's eye perspective. I hope you tune in.